Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel while you're here. Let's get into it. Title game of the Maui Invitational is set. It's number two, Purdue, versus number four, Marquette. And that's because on Tuesday night, number four, Marquette beat number one, Kansas, 73-59. And number two, Purdue beat number seven, Tennessee, 71-67. Credit where credit is due. Dead leg in the preseason. You had it, Purdue number one, Marquette number two. I didn't start that way, but right now I'm with you in Wednesday morning's top five and one. It's number one, Purdue. And number two, Marquette. Yeah. How pleased are you with yourself to be two and a half weeks ahead of the rest of us? Yeah, you ruined the bit. I was going to say, I heard about this guy at some point in the preseason. He picked Marquette to be better than Kansas. Unpopular opinion, to be sure, to be certain. Uh, mocked, derided, ridiculed. Uh, someone accused uh, would accuse him of, of bamboozling the general public, but... Uh, I wonder where that guy is right now. That's right. He's yeah, well, hey, hey, if you find that guy, ask him what he thinks about Arkansas, because I know you took a lot of criticism about that early, too. That's true. That's true. Um, hey, listen, and I did. I, I did pick. Listen, I'm going to I'm going to step up to all of this and we got plenty to cover here. I did pick Marquette to lose to UCLA. So trust me, listeners, I'm I'm very aware, although that almost happened, but it did not. Um, I wanted to have a little fun and pick some upsets. GP wanted to go chalk, and lo and behold, you know it's how not Maui, fun for me picking up. Yeah, Maui would have to Maui here. Uh, so yes, I did have Purdue one, Marquette two, Kansas three in the preseason. Although Kansas did not look like the third best team in the country, uh, so we get number one versus two on Wednesday in the Maui final, according to my preseason rankings. Not obviously according to the AP Top Twenty Five. We get number two against number four. Let's get into this game just a little bit here. Um, it was the second largest loss for Kansas uh, as a number one ranked team on a neutral floor. Um, it had only lost by double digits uh, two times in its in its history as a number one team. And on, on, again, on a neutral, not on a not in a road environment. Uh, for Marquette, it's its third win over a number one team in its history. The previous one was in 2017 against Nova, and then the first one came famously in the 2003 NCAA tournament. Dwayne Wade having a triple double against number one Kentucky. Uh, fittingly, so Dwayne Wade was right there courtside. That was an awesome scene to see there, and he got to see Oso Igadaro. Uh, continue to look like a guy that in that top 101 preview I labeled as one of the biggest breakout players in the country this season and he was good last season by by but by breakout I was you know Tyler Kolick was a breakout player major a season ago and I figure Igadaro could be that kind of player this season who could whose value might equal if not surpass Kolick and right now that's where we're at he had 21 points nine boards Chase Ross came off the bench had 12 points and that was the thing about Marquette to me and we will get to, this, to the shock and Bill Self stuff. We have to get to that. But in terms of the game and how it played out, you know, David Joplin had a huge game the night before to help him beat UCLA. Joplin in this one, just two points. Kolick had six points in 33 minutes, and he was just okay. Had just as many assists as turnovers, four to a side there. The defense was tremendous. And watching the flow of the game, I mean, Marquette led for almost the entire game, period, GP. Um, 
But Kansas's lack of depth, which has been brought up on the show earlier, was evident in this one. The shooting it remains a concern, but Kevin McCuller, again, had a really good game. Uh, 24 points coming off a triple-double against Chaminade, and, and Dickinson was just, okay, 13 points, 8 boards. It's just fine, but Kansas never really threatened. It was a dominating, convincing win for Marquette, which jumped from 12 to 6 at Ken Palm overnight. KU dropped from 4 to 9. Um, and I came away more with this thinking uh, about Kansas's flaws than maybe Marquette's fortes if I have to lean one way or the other. Um, but but nothing to take anything from Marquette. We'll preview, the, obviously, their Purdue game in a, in a few minutes here. Um, but the defense was huge, GP. I mean, Kansas came into the game number one in the country in field goal percentage, shooting 58.3%. Uh, it shot 40.7 against Marquette. It was averaging a sport-best 27.5 assists per game. It had 17. Um, it, it got dominated in the paint which is weird because Kansas actually has size Marquette. It's got Iguodaro, but it's not overloaded. I mean, it's, it's so guard heavy and small guard heavy. Uh, yeah, Marquette had 46 points in the paint. So uh, definitely an eye opener. Congrats to Marquette on its second win in history over Kansas. Marquette just looked faster, quicker than Kansas. Yeah. I mean, they were flying around the court. And you mentioned the depth for the Jayhawks. Like in the preseason, it was pretty clear to everybody that, you know, four of the five starters were, I was going to say penciled in, but like sharpied in, really. I mean, it's Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson. The question was, what are they going to do um, at that two guard spot? Is it going to be the five star freshman, El Marco Jackson, or the transfer, Nick Timberlake? And the problem so far is that neither one of them has been that good. Um, you know, Timberlake only played 12 minutes against Marquette. He was one of five from the field, five points. Uh, El Marco Jackson was 0 of four from the field, zero points in 21 minutes. You combine that with the fact that Arterio Morris was removed from the program um, after a rape charge in the preseason, and that that could be an issue for Kansas. Like, obviously, Hunter Dickinson has been terrific and is terrific. I know what I'm getting from most of these other guys, although, you know, KJ Adams obviously wasn't good against Marquette. He's dealing with personal tragedy, mm -hmm. and and he lost his mother, and so you know, playing with what I assume is a, a, a lot of emotions and obviously his thoughts have been elsewhere. So you can sort of make sense of that, uh, I guess, but I trust KJ Adams. I know what Hunter Dickinson is. I know what Dewan Harris is. I know what Kevin McCullough is that, that, that other starting spot or just a fifth player um, needs to emerge from somewhere. And, and so far they, they haven't got that from either guy. It needs to be again, the freshman El Marco Jackson, the transfer Nicholas Timberlake. Uh, agreed. And they've, they're going to have to figure out and it will. I mean, I'm not again, uh, you played a top five level opponent on a neutral floor. Um, there's been some some chatter coming out of uh, that tournament that these, you know, Maui famously has some very kind, generous rims. Um, and these ones are uh, they're screwed in kind of tight there. And so the, the shooting all across the board has been kind of down a little bit. But regardless, whether it's Jackson Furphy, they're going to need more shooting overall. Um, Kansas has shot the, it has been efficient to this point in the season, but it got a good push from Kentucky, which didn't have bigs. And then Marquette, which plays not, it's definitely not A to A with it, with its style versus Kentucky's Marquette. Just someone in the chat said that they didn't watch the game. And, and was it, uh, was it close? It wasn't. That's the thing. It, Marquette led almost the entire game. It was in control. And it showed up well. I mean, this was the first time that this program was in a top five game. And by that, meaning Marquette was ranked in the top five and its opponent was ranked in the top five in a game. That had, hadn't ha that had not happened since 1976 in the NCAA tournament for Marquette. And it just showed up ready to kick ass. Oh, Kansas led for 22 seconds in this game. Uh, Marquette by, led by 17 points with seven minutes to go. And if... KU is going to be able to rebound and play Tennessee. Well, that's the other thing. Like Kansas had the late game. It's got the first game here. And if you're watching live, we appreciate you because this is one of our weirder podcasts of the year. We got to recap Maui on Tuesday and Monday, and then we got to preview your, your title game stuff. Uh, so anyone that hustled to listen to this, we sincerely appreciate that. Uh, Kansas got to turn around quick and play the first game of the day out in Hawaii against Tennessee in the third place game. We'll see how well it does against the Tennessee team. And we'll get to that game in just a second because we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but good Lord. Um, 
Tennessee in the way it plays, I have no idea what to expect in that game because of the quick turnaround, three games in three days, a lot of the the factors impacting Kansas right now in general. I, I, I'm super intrigued to see what KU looks like against Tennessee. Um, but for Marquette to get the win the way that it did, uh, really, really impressive. And the latest signal that the Big East at the top is is really is really good. Can we uh, real quick talk about this this uh, this tête-à-tête, this scuffle, this tiff that went down in the second half, or excuse me, end of the first half there? Because you seldom see this with coaches really having an issue with each other. And on the review, I actually when they were showing it on on television, I was trying to figure out what on earth happened. And then as the game went on, and then you, you really got that that cameras you from over the backboard, you could see McCullough hits a three. If he doesn't say something to Shaka, he says something in front of Shaka. Shaka responds. <laughs> next thing you next thing you know, I mean, Shaka's got like uh, it's. First of all, I think Shaka said this. What you say? What you say? What you say? I don't know what was going on. It, I don't, it seemed to explode out of nowhere. Um, credit to CJ Moore and Kristen Peak. CJ Moore, the athletic, and Kristen Peak from Rivals. They are both on site. Um, I'm going to give you a couple quotes on GP. Take it where you want to go. Uh, for CJ Moore, Shaka said of McCuller, he's, quote, one of the best competitors I've coached against in a long time. He always just brought an edge that was different. And then he's always kind of enjoyed having a dialogue with me. And, quote, the, the background of that is Shaka is familiar with him because of his time at Texas, McCuller, a longtime player in the Big 12, even predating his time at Kansas there. Um, according to Peak, Shaka said that this whole thing started with a back and forth with McCuller. And then I got more from CJ Moore here, who was at the postgame presser. Uh, he quotes Bill Self. Uh, Bill Self was apparently asked about what Shaka said. So Marquette went first in the press conference. Then Kansas came in. Uh, Self goes, quote, I doubt it was accurate, just so you know, and I don't even care. I'm not going to talk about it, but I guarantee it wasn't accurate. And quote, I got one more. This is from Shaka. This is about winning the game and the whole confrontation. It's different when you're not in that league with him. Not that there's not a real respect because there is. We're talking about arguably the best coach in the past 25 years and a top two or three program in that amount of time. But there's not a fear. When I was in the Big 12, it felt like they had a little bit of a spell over that league. I'll tell you this. There's a lot going on in that moment. This is my 15th year as a head coach. That doesn't happen a lot. But I'm always going to stand up for my guys and my program. And there was a moment there where I felt like that needed to occur. So do I regret that? Heck no. GP, thoughts, reaction, on self and smart, this has not been cleaned up, and maybe it doesn't have to. I'm all I'm all for a good coaching rivalry and some genuine. You know what? This isn't the worst thing in the world. But your impressions of what we saw there and uh, the subplot to what I wound up being not a ultra competitive game. Well, before these, and you're exactly right. Um, it wasn't close. Um, I, I never ruled Kansas out because it's Kansas. I mean, we watched them come back from a million down in a national championship game a few years ago. Like it's Bill Self, it's Kansas. Like I, I, I was never. I mean, I guess I got to the point. You know, there's three minutes left. This is over. But you know, with ten minutes to go, even seven minutes to go, I'm like, you know, they could, they could make a run. But it became increasingly clear. Like Marquette was just operating at a different level. Our friend Seth Davis, I think, tweeted last night. Kansas came to play a game. Marquette came to fight, yeah. and there was a lot of it. It looked that way, and I, I think you can actually trace that straight to, um, you know, the incident. If it was an incident between Shaka, Kevin McCullough, and uh, Bill Self. I, I don't know exactly what happened. I sit in a hotel room in New York, but you piece it together. I've seen enough of these types of things. The, the way it typically goes is Kevin McCuller says something to the bench or to Shaka um, or to both. Yeah. And at that point, Shaka is so into it. He, <laughs> he, he pops back. Right. And then, you know, it's classic. What does the other coach on the other side do? Hey, you don't talk to my players. And now yep. we've got a thing. Hey, f you! And now we and now we're going right. Yeah. That's right. And and like you, it's you. I actually don't know the personal relationship between Bill and Shaka. I don't. I don't. They don't strike me as two people who wouldn't get along because they're both easy to get along with. But they were at one point not too long ago. The head coach at Kansas and the head coach at Texas. Those are Big Twelve rivals. Mm -hmm. And um, so perhaps all of that plays a role in the in the incident. At the end of it, I think Shaka seemed less bothered by it than Bill. 
all and he, that just he, might he, be he won, I don't know if you mean by the by the end of the exchange of the game, Shaka won the game, so I wouldn't understand. Yeah, why yeah, yeah. Won. No, by the end of like by the time we get to post game press conference, yeah. one of the guys is going, "Hey, it's no big deal." Yeah, and, and the <laughs> other guy course. is going. And the other guy is going, hey, I don't know what Shaka told you, but I guarantee you it's not accurate. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm here for that. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I have no idea what the other guy told you, but just trust me when I tell you there's no way it was the truth. It's a, uh-huh. it's a fabulous quote. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, I agree. I love that. So I, I loved it. It won't change. I mean, obviously, you have to update the rankings. So now I've got Purdue 1, Marquette 2, Arizona 3, Duke 4, Kansas 5. I almost moved Kansas down below – Houston down below UConn, and I, I certainly nobody other than Kansas fans would have pushed back on it if I did. But I, I'll let I'll let them figure it out today. Like yeah. what what's crazy is they got another top ten game to, a game against top ten team today. And can you imagine having to run around with Marquette last night, and then less than twenty four um, hours later, you got to get beat up by Tennessee? It, it is tr- that is that's a brutal one. It's a brutal one two anywhere on the schedule. It's a one two in Parish. 18 hours time yeah like, that's crazy that is a that is a big ask of kansas and it's a factor of and you can keep going but it's a factor of the fact that the bracket again the bracket television format has changed and they have the the winner side play first so it can be on big espn and the the primary game is going to be in that five o'clock window which means if you're the if you're playing for third place and you lose the last one you've got to wait you go to bed late you wake up early three games in three days it's it's actually a really tight spot for kansas boy i tell you there ain't nothing worse than going to bed late and waking up early i don't like i don't like that I don't care for that at all. Well, we 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 even were able to uh, postpone our tip time by an hour here uh, because of that. Can we real quick on the Purdue Tennessee game before we look ahead of the title game here? Fifty-two fouls, seventy, it seventy-eight free throws. I I that's got to be, that's got to be among like the ten most free throws in a game in the past decade, if not top five. That is that is an, an absurd amount. The Purdue president. It was also a. Bu- I'll get to the president. It was just a. It was a bummer that we were looking forward to this dynamite doubleheader. And don't, don't get me wrong. I watched every minute of it. I mean, I still love it. But it was it was a brutal watch. The Purdue president tweeted, because he was there, watching Boilerball playing against a wrestling team that fouls 100% Boilermaker student-athletes be safe, to which the Tennessee athletic director, Danny White, who was the brother of Florida coach Mike White, I'll have you know, he quote tweeted that and said, we must not be watching the same game. Um, not an easy watch. Credit to Fletcher Lawyer. I won't say he carried Purdue. He had 27 matching a career high in addition to a personal best six rebounds. Edie went for 23 and 10. He had foul trouble up and down a little here, a little there. Uh, Purdue shot 27% from three, 60% from the foul line, had 16 turnovers to Tennessee's 10, only had three points off the bench and still managed to win. Um, to get a win under those circumstances, um, credit to him. Tough whistle. Tough watch. Some of it is Tennessee style, but yeah. there were actually foul. I want to be clear on this. I'm not saying the officials did a terrible job, although both sides had issues with it and they didn't have a great game. It, it both sides were fouling. Tennessee obviously more frequently than than Purdue was. Um, but I mean, the Vols collapsed on Edie uh, every time he got in the paint. I mean, it was it was instant. And for him to get four fouls with nine minutes to go, Viscovi got his fourth with seven and change. Awaka fouled out in a tie game. Uh, Jonas Adu fouled out, 64 all. Um, Tennessee rallied, but it wasn't enough, unfortunately. Um, good on Purdue to get the win. I I, I, I wonder what Tennessee's going to look like today against Kansas. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was wild. According to Purdue, 48 foul shots, the most they've had in the game since 95 when they shot 49 against TCU, Gary. I, I would assume Tennessee-Kansas is going to be ugly. Um, a lot of the same stuff you just referenced, a lot of whistles, just not sharp. I mean, it's too, I mean, the, a top 10 team is going to come out of this thing one and two. And I guess that's always the way this was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but like, you know, somebody's a legitimate, how about this? All four teams that played in the Maui semifinals will be in the top, top 10 of the top 25 and one on Thanksgiving morning. I, I don't care what happens today. I'm, I'm not going so you're to. Not gonna, so like, like Tennessee gets rolled by 15. Well, that's the thing. Up. Okay, yeah. Tennessee loses by 30. I guess I'll I'll punish them for that. But let's say Tennessee Kansas play a competitive game. Kansas wins. I've got Tennessee at 10 right now. I'll keep Tennessee at 10. I won't punish them for losing a neutral site competitive game to a higher ranked team. And then obviously, I mean, I think as long as it's a close game, Marquette and Purdue are going to be one and two 
again on Thursday morning in, in some order. Needless to say, the winner of that game um, in the championship of the Maui Invitational is is going to be number one in the top 25 and one. And I, I would assume number one, a consensus number one in the AP poll when it updates on Monday. Because mm-hmm. if Purdue wins today, Purdue's going to be 6-0 and with wins over Marquette, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Xavier. It's going to have the best resume without question. It's not even close. Six and zero with four, um, six and zero with three wins over top ten Ken Palm teams. That's what that would be if, if Purdue um, beats Marquette. And if Marquette beats Purdue, Marquette would be six and zero with wins over Purdue, Kansas, Illinois, and UCLA. Without question, we'll have the best resume. Right. The winner of this, it's just not... It's I'm not, not even close. It's not it's close because the, the loser is going to be... It's going to be within striking range, but it is going to be... and. Granted, two and a half weeks in the season. Um, this is called a seed line bump situation, without a doubt. Yes, yes. No, uh, no. So, and just on the subject of the top 25 and one, somebody asked, how do I not have UCLA ranked? Oh, just wait till you see Wendy Morning's top 25 and one. It has been filed, but not published. UCLA yeah. does enter after a victory over Chaminade, but more than that, um, after a really competitive game against, hey, UCLA played, UCLA played Marquette closer than, better than Kansas did. No question at all. They, they they played well. They looked well. That UCLA and UCLA Gonzaga for the for the fellow uh, yeah. hardcore diehards out there. That's a midnight Eastern tip uh, tonight here on Wednesday. Oh, so I can't wait for that one. That's a that's a that's a a trip down memory lane back to the bubble. Yeah, with that, I'm hey, listen, I'm I'm absolutely I'm absolutely ready for it. Um, before we break, real quick, Purdue Marquette. Let's just hey, let's have a little fun. Let's pick this game. I already know you have Purdue ranked higher, so you're going to pick Purdue to win. Uh, I've got a trivia time for you. Okay, if Shaka Smart wins with Marquette against Purdue, uh, it will be the second time he has won a Maui championship. He just won it a couple of years ago with Texas when Texas beat Carolina at the buzzer. I think that was in Asheville. So it wasn't out in the Pacific because it was in COVID. Who are the other six coaches to win multiple Maui championships? Roy Williams. Correct. Jim Beheim. Correct. Mark Few. Correct. Good okay. call. The sneaky one. Gonzaga beat Cincy in 09 in overtime in the title game. And then, of course, they won over Duke. So that's you got three down, three more. Okay. Correct. Boy, I'm doing great. You are. Two more. Damn. Two more. Two more. Two more Maui champions. Izzo. Incorrect. Damn it. Well, one is easy. One is easy. Well, on a certain level, they're both easy, but one is way easier than the other. I mean, is like a Dean Smith one? He is not. One is co- one is coaching later today in this tournament. One is coaching later today in the tournament. Okay, so it's not Shaka. No. Is it Bill? Bill Self? That, Bill Self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then the other one is not coaching in the tournament. Is a Hall of Fame coach. A Hall of Fame coach who coached. Okay, I got it. Um, yeah. Well, that's clearly going to have to be. Mm. I mean, I think that's obviously. Mm. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious to me. That's going to be mm. Bob Knight, James Calhoun from the University of Connecticut. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, Jim Calhoun's the other one. Close enough, though. Um, Shaka's going to try and get there. Would be a would be quite the accomplishment there. Purdue is in its first Maui title game or since 1999. It lost that year to North Carolina in the title. Uh, Marquette is in its second Maui title game as well. Its other one was 2007. Marquette is going to try and become the first team since 2008 to beat the AP-ranked number one and number two teams in consecutive games. Kansas did it in the final four against Carolina and Memphis. There hasn't been a team that's done that. Granted, your opportunity to play one and two in consecutive games doesn't come that often. Um, Purdue is 10 and one all time against Marquette. Marquette beat them uh, just a few years back and needed to come back from 18 down in order to do it in 2019. But uh, Purdue dominates this series historically there. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take Purdue to win it, but I'm not overly confident, obviously, after the way I saw Marquette play. Um Man, this is uh this is one heck of a game. Uh, this is you know it's not one versus two, 
but it's it's probably the second best matchup we could have asked for considering all the combinations there. Um, winner will be number one in the AP Top 25 GP. Purdue last held that post in February. Marquette was last number one. February 26, 1978. The number one movie in America was Saturday Night Fever. Uh, what are your expectations? What are your pick? What's your pick for this title game? I'll take Purdue to win it. I'm just loyal to the top 25 and one. Uh, listen, I've been watching both of these teams. Uh, Marquette has uh, looked better. Certainly, it, if, if recency bias is a thing, um, on Tuesday, Marquette looked better. Marquette looked like the best team in the country on Tuesday. It's the reigning Big East champs against the reigning Big Ten champs, reigning Big East tournament champs against the reigning Big Ten tournament champs. Got preseason first team All Americans on both sides. Tyler Kolick at Marquette, Zach Eady at Purdue, reigning conference players of the year in their leagues. It's terrific. I mean, if you're trying to look uh, for a Thanksgiving Eve sporting event, you're going to have a hard time doing doing better than this. And you know, we'll get to Selection Sunday, and we won't have many matchups on paper mm-hmm. uh, that are better than this one. Purdue is a one and a half point favorite. It's basically a coin flip situation. Um, you said you don't feel great about it i don't ever feel great about anything um but i will take purdue in a close game and if that is the way this goes down then the tip top of the top 25 and one will not change on thursday morning if purdue wins a close game purdue will remain number one marquette will remain number two uh last thing purdue is shooting 25 percent in the maui invitational through two games we'll see if that winds up being a factor or not if it doesn't because the ed's rebounding and marquette's relative uh lack of size we'll see if that winds up being an issue or not but marquette coming off a great defensive battle just can't wait to watch it want to see how Purdue's guards handle the speed of marquette uh this is super super interesting again if you're watching live or caught this right after the pod went five eastern espn title game maui Deadleg watch UConn improve to 5-0 and on the season with an 81-71 win over Texas earlier this week. What does he think of the new look but still great Huskies? I'll ask him next. First, though, a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a dude averaging 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Hey, like you watch UConn improve to 5-0 and on the season. 81-71 victory over Texas earlier this week. That was inside the Garden. It's 22 straight non-league victories by double digits. Crazy streak. Five of the top eight scorers from last season's team that won the national title are no longer in the program, but UConn is still obviously good. My question for you, how yeah. good? Uh, damn good. And I came out of the, I, I drove home from the Garden Monday night. Uh, thinking that UConn had to be regarded as a top five team in the country. I don't shift off that whatsoever, in particular because it won by double digits again over a top 15 opponent. Klingon was just okay. It just, it it had, you know, Hassan Diara to come off the bench and be as impactful as he was. And then for the emergence, uh, I don't know if, if Samson Johnson is going to be this year, what Klingon was last year, but he is the rotation center. He is the center off the bench. He had the best game of his young career. And to me, as I wrote in the column, it's a sign of elite program building and, and culture at UConn. The fact that, you know, Tristan Newton, he had eight points. He had eight assists. He had a solid game. He was the uh, empire classic MVP over the course of two games, but this was Caravan. Some Cam Spencer, Caravan went for 20, had a couple of really big shots as, as the shot clock was uh, was expiring there to really spoil Texas's late hopes of even trying to keep it close and steal the game there. Um, with with Klingon being just, uh, he, he's still working his way back. Hurley said afterward, like, he's fully healthy, but um, he just needs to get ramped up a bit more with conditioning. Like, he's just not there yet. Um, so you lost all the guys you lost last year, including the big three of Sonogo, Hawkins, and Jackson. Klingon doesn't play that well. You don't get, like, a you know, a... a a studly performance from your point guard in Newton. 
but you get a lot from Caravan Solomon. Ball looks looks he's not statistically he's not a major impact, but when you're watching the games, seeing how he plays, the energy he plays with, he's a vocal player, uh, a really key piece. Yeah, UConn, and if you springboard off the Marquette stuff, and Creighton's not that bad. Either. Uh, we could have a situation here where the Big East, at some point in the season, has the top two teams in the AP Top 25. Now, you're going to need results to break your way in order to get there, of course, but Connecticut has that kind of ceiling, and I did tap the brakes on them in the preseason just because I want I just needed to see what they were going to be without those pieces that won a national championship and and lo and behold and as I wrote like they haven't played multiple ranked teams yet so we'll see they got to go play at Kansas in uh, what a week and all, a week and a half here and what a damn great game that is um but they have passed the test right now and with 22 straight, this is outrageous. 22 straight wins by double digits over non-conference opponents. Um, they are two away from setting the the record, and that's according to ESPN stats and information. So I'm going to obviously take that research house at their word. That's almost certainly going to happen because they've got Manhattan and then I think New Hampshire and the next two. Uh, so and those are at home. It would be stunning if UConn didn't win both those by double digits. They'll set a they'll set a record, and I think it does actually mean something to Hurley, uh, our buddy Jeff Borzello. Uh, asked Hurley a question in the presser and he brought up the 22 number and Hurley had actually admitted he was like we were trying to find it we were wondering like how many we had and then how what the record was I think you know it's not the biggest thing in the world but it is something to to play non-league foes and every single time you're you're heading home having one by 10 or more I mean UConn's beating opponents by more than 27 points on average this season there's been some patsies in there don't get me wrong uh super impressed Texas wasn't at full strength UConn wasn't at full strength. Texas didn't have DeSue or Caden Shedrick, who had work on both the shoulders in the offseason. He just couldn't go back-to-back two straight days. I was talking with Rodney Terry about that afterward. But UConn didn't have Stephon Castle, who hopes to come back for that Kansas game. Um, credit to the Huskies. They they look good. They're confident. They have enough motivation uh, because they weren't projected as a widespread top-five team heading into the season. And while I think the players, and really the staff more than the players, they understand why that was. Um Hurley will use any kind of motivation whatsoever. And as I close the column with Parrish, it is obviously extremely hard to repeat in this sport. UConn, you know, seven, eight months later, it it has the makings to make that a real conversation. You know, I don't know if it's better than Marquette right now. I don't know if it's better than Purdue, but it is, it deserves to be on that list of national title contenders. What Hurley has been able to pull off is really impressive uh, so far. And uh, next time we'll see UConn in a game that, that matters, matters. Again, as I mentioned, they're at Kansas on December 1. And in talking to Hurley afterward, he is extremely excited about just having the opportunity to play that kind of game and see where his team stacks up on the road. You know, everybody had Donovan Klingen projected as UConn's breakout star, and he still might be, but so far it's been Alex Carapin. 16.8 points, 6.2 rebounds in 29.4 minutes per game, shooting 60% from the field, 40.7% from three. You mentioned it. He had at least two that I saw, like late shot clock jumpers. Like that. that's, that's a real skill and a real advantage uh, for a basketball team to have a guy who can create shots and make shots in late shot clock or end of half, end of game situations. And, you know, he was hitting step backs and fall aways. Uh, he didn't look like a role player. He didn't look like a glue guy. He looked like somebody who could, you know, be a star for a very good college basketball team. And um, he's been that so far this season. Last year, averaged 9.3 points per game. That was fourth on UConn's national championship team. Um he is now um, the leading scorer at UConn through five games, up 7.5 points per game, uh, while basically playing the, the same number of minutes. So I agree with you. There is a, a chance we get to a point where a couple of Big East teams, whatever they are, could be Creighton. I mean, let's, let's yes. look, could be Creighton. But, you know, Marquette, UConn, Creighton, uh, some combination of those three could end up one and two in the AP poll. And I guess if you wanted to submit an AP ballot, uh, on Monday morning, Sunday night, that had it, two biggest teams, one and two. You could do that if Marquette beats Purdue. You could reasonably put UConn all the way up to two or number one if you wanted to. It won't be what the top 25 and one does, but it's totally reasonable. The tip top of the Big East uh, off to a terrific start. UConn, Marquette, and Creighton at this moment all remain 
undefeated. Uh, real quick news notes, and then we can get to uh, the preview here. Um, elsewhere, Colorado ranked 18th, and this was on the air. GP watched you uh, watched you do the half halftime and post game stuff. Um, it got beat by Florida State in overtime on CBS Sports Network on Tuesday. Um, good on Florida State for getting a couple of wins uh, down there in Daytona Beach. FSU has now won 14 straight overtime games. We talked about this on the show last year when it happened. The, the odds against this are infinitesimal to uh, to repeat that uh, that bit in that segment from last season. So credit to Leonard Hamilton for getting a couple of good wins. I thought Colorado would win that little small MTE with ease. Didn't happen. FSU pulled it out in OT. Uh, that's, a, that's a very big win for a Florida State team that got run out of the gym by Florida not so long ago. And then uh, shot of the year so far, ECU won with a half court heave. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I'm sure you did because you did that. Yeah. You did the highlights there. Just uh just a, just an incredible shot there. Um they get the win over Kennesaw State. Um if you didn't catch it, Bobby Pettiford hit a hit a prayer while they were losing. So I want to give a shout to them. And then one quick news note. Um in echoes of what the NCAA did with Tez Walker, the wide receiver at North Carolina about a month ago or so, I guess. Um the NCAA reverse course and after the appeal, not even the first waiver uh, application, the appeal was turned down for Cincinnati's uh, transfer from Utah Valley. Aziz Bandego was turned down. Um, that got reversed uh, semi out of nowhere. I know Cincinnati was strongly considering uh, filing legal action against the NCAA. So that's actually a, that's extremely notable for Cincinnati because that is a, an elite level defender in a very tough Big 12. So Cincinnati actually might have a chance to pick an awesome games there. So that's a couple of results over the past 24 to 36 hours. The battle for Atlanta starts today. Arizona, Michigan State playing on Thanksgiving. We're going to look ahead to the next couple of days next. But first, one more word from our partners. Nothing compares to the Maui Invitational this season, but the Battle for Atlantis is, as always, compelling. Let me run you through today's schedule real quick. Noon Eastern, number 14, North Carolina versus Northern Iowa. 2.30 Eastern, Villanova versus Texas Tech. 5 Eastern, it's Memphis against Michigan. 7.30 Eastern, number 20, Arkansas against Stanford. If you put those teams in their Ken Palm order, it goes North Carolina, Villanova, Arkansas, Memphis, Michigan, Texas Tech, Stanford, Northern Iowa, with the first six of those being inside the top 50. If the higher-ranked Ken Palm team wins each game, we will get North Carolina versus Villanova and Memphis against Arkansas in the semifinals. Then UNC, Arkansas in the title game. UNC as the champ. What are you expecting down in the Bahamas? Uh, do you expect that to break out like that? Do you think uh, the higher ranked team's gonna gonna win out in the? No, it just uh, as as uh, Maui just reminded us that 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 doesn't usually happen that way. I, I, I'm expecting some uh, some good stuff. And for anyone that's you know, I, I'm well aware that uh, that you know, very high travel day here, day before Thanksgiving, people squeezing in the pod however they can, either today, perhaps even on Thanksgiving. We appreciate you. Um, this is uh, this is a nice little for those watching live. Carolina, Northern, Northern Iowa, we're less than 90 minutes out from that tipping. So um, it's just, I love Feast Week and I love all the, all the hoops, particularly the daytime hoops. What's great about this, would you agree with this, Parrish? Like, I would probably watch North Carolina, Northern Iowa regardless, but you tip that game off at noon and it's five times more enticing than if it's on a Thursday night at seven o'clock. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, sure. Daytime basketball when you're either off work or like getting in the mindset of I'm going to be off work for a few days. It's perfect. It's, it's great. It's 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 so good. I, I just I love how some daytime ball just enhances. It doesn't even really matter the matchup. It just makes it that much more enticing. So Carolina, Northern Iowa. Well, it reminds us of like, you know, championship week and the NCAA yes. tournament and conference tournaments like we, we aren't used to weekday yes. basketball except for like now and the postseason. And uh, and it's a it's a wonderful feature of this of this sport. I'm gonna be uh, I'm half joking here, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be locked in on Carolina Northern Iowa as if it was like a first round and still the tournament game. That's that's good stuff. You asked what I expected from the field. Um, I I'll go ahead and pick this real quick for today. I'll say Carolina wins. I'll say Nova wins. Although Texas Tech, this is a this is a this tournament. There's a there's a window here for Texas Tech and Grant McCaslin to potentially make a pretty big statement. If you can manage to get out of this like two and one, however that two and one uh, materializes, that would not surprise me. But we'll see. I'll, I will go with Nova. That's the tr that's the trickiest one of the four on the board in, for Wednesday, in my opinion. Uh, I will take Memphis to beat Michigan, uh, but feels kind of like a toss up. We'll see. I, I 
I like Memphis going into this one, JP. And then I will take Arkansas over Stanford. I like UNC versus Nova, and I'll take Carolina to, to win that one. Obviously, that's a rematch of the 2016 title game. And then I'm going to take Memphis to beat Arkansas. Uh, I did have Memphis ahead of Arkansas in the preseason, so uh, I'll stick with that. And then why not? Let's have a little fun, buddy. I'll say Memphis wins the Battle for Atlantis. These games are going to get played Wednesday, and then you get them, you squeeze it in on Thursday between the family time and the football. Battle for Atlantis, remember, it's it's always played on Thanksgiving, and then the, the title game and all, all four, but the title game in particular will get played on Friday. There's a lot. We're going to have a Friday morning episode for you, by the way. If you're curious, we will be here for you because there's enough happening between today and tomorrow that we'll have enough to react to. It's kind of a lean weekend as it normally is around Thanksgiving, but we've got enough to... Uh, to reflect upon this this one in particular it's not nearly as good as maui it's still a solid field parish but i can see between carolina nova michigan memphis and arkansas those five in particular and hell i say this and we might look up and freaking northern iowa goes two and one uh, i just think there's a lot of potential we're not, that's we're not going to look up and that's okay. what's going to happen that, like this. come on tag it nada if you could thank you <laughs> um between surprising wins or just disappointing routes to a one and two, or maybe an zero and three mark. Um, there's a lot that's on the table with this one. And there's a lot of unknowns with a lot of these teams. How good is Carolina? How good is Nova? Uh, and a different through a different prism, like Texas tech. What are they first year under McCaslin? Michigan still has Martelli. Uh, maybe I, I don't know Juwan Howard's status. He still hasn't returned yet. Um, so is Martelli still running this thing over the next few days? I would think he is. Uh, what, what are they going to look like after, a, obviously, a disappointing home defeat? Uh, Memphis just hasn't had a game on the big stage yet. It finally gets this opportunity here. And then Arkansas, obviously, has the roster capable of winning the thing. This is a this is a really intriguing tournament, Parrish. Yeah, like Memphis got a little juice by going to Missouri and winning. And I still think that's impressive. But, yeah. like, Missouri, then Jackson State went there and won. Right. Yes. Like, all right, what does that mean? We'll find out. I mean, you'll know what you are. Over these next three days, you're picking Memphis to to win the trophy. Hey, I you, am. Yeah, like that. You gonna mess around and end up on the Gary Parish show? <laughs> you keep talking like that, you're gonna end up on the Gary Parish show. <laughs> I just might. Well, I yeah. Why not? Why I I think Memphis has has the, the ability to do it. Oh, they do. Uh, uh, so good. you know, we'll see. The, these these feast week games have a and these tournaments sometimes have a way of uh of providing uh you know a winner that isn't maybe the you look at a bracket and you're like, Oh, there's the strongest team. And Oh, there's the second strongest team. Sometimes neither of those win it. And I will, uh, I will ride. I will ride with Memphis. I don't know what trophy they get by the way, for winning the battle for Atlantis. I feel like it's something completely ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Cause I, the only trophy I know is the battle for the bones. That's Memphis UAB. Yeah. They, they play for a trophy of ribs. It's yeah, the best trophy oh, this is, this trophy is a major letdown. It's uh. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate trophy. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's got oh, you know what? It's got a conch shell on it. So I'll, I'll give him that. It's got the conch shell. Uh, I don't know if not. I can search this and bring it up uh, quickly enough. But it's uh, it's got some some glass siding, some some marble. It's, like it's marble. a hardy trophy. But I was looking for something a little bit more eccentric than that. Uh, elsewhere, I really like marble. I, I think it's marble. I can't say I can't say for certain. Elsewhere, I'm a, I've I've long been considered a big marble fan. Have you? Yes. Long been considered, huh? Okay. Yes. Um, elsewhere, Michigan State, Arizona State, Acrosure Classic in Palm Springs, California. Uh, this is a this is an MTE. Why they're playing in Palm Springs? I I I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's outrageous. By all, all due respect to Palm Springs, but why is Arizona, Michigan State playing in Palm Springs? I don't know. I've actually always wanted. To, I had. Coincidentally enough, I was talking to a buddy last week who was who was out there um, uh, and was raving about it. I've never been to Palm Springs. Always wanted. I've to- never been to Palm Springs, but I bet you yeah. nobody li- who lives in Palm Springs has ever been to a basketball game. I don't know about that. that no, I, I think that's true. wrong about that. If we're sitting think- over under at 0.5 human beings who reside in Palm Springs having attended a basketball game. No, zero. Okay. Zero people who live in Palm Springs. In fact, they won't even let you move to Palm Springs unless you, um, under oath, insist that you've never been attended a basketball game background checks on it okay. yes they do background it is it is harder to get into palm springs than it is to get an assault weapon in this country okay that's a fact arizona is fourth at ken palm is five and oh obviously has the huge win over duke remind our listeners gp you have arizona ranked where three just one spot ahead of duke at number four 
There we go. Michigan State is three and two with losses against James Madison and Duke. Um, here comes Arizona. Again, this is a Thanksgiving game. It is going to be at four Eastern on Fox. This game comes after Lions Packers on the football side. So it'll bleed in. It'll get a really good number because of that, obviously. Um, but even before that, uh, worth a peek on Wednesday night is Pitt against un- unbeaten Pitt against Florida at Barclays Center. Um, that's worth watching alongside plenty of other stuff. So I would keep an eye on that. And then um, you got Michigan, Arizona on Thursday. Also on Thanksgiving, the ESPN events invitational gets going. The matchups there are Penn State A&M, FAU Butler, Iowa State VCU, and Boise State Virginia Tech. A&M's the best team in the field. I'm going to say it's going to win. Um, but we'll see. We'll see, Again, as GP mentioned on the previous show, we'll see what, uh, what FAU can look like and how hey. it Real, real, real quick on Pitt. I sorted some data over at Bart Torvik. Give it to me. Take out all the preseason bias. Where do you think Pitt is at 5-0? and 4-0. Uh, Pitt's 4-0. I'll say uh, 17th. 11. How about that? How about that? They're, they're, they're credit to Pitt. Um, another team proving me wrong, and uh, we'll see if they can show up well against uh, a Gators team with, you know, some wait and see to it as well. Um and then one more Thanksgiving MTE. This one's in San Diego uh, on Thursday. You've got Iowa versus Oklahoma, USC versus Seton Hall. Not a ton of sizzle to that, but USC, let's see how it uh, looks moving forward. And then if it can emerge from this field, uh, this feels actually like a pretty good opportunity for Iowa. If it can get past Oklahoma, maybe Iowa can emerge there. Uh, the Big Ten has done relatively well so far in non-conference play. We'll see how it uh, how it fares over the next couple of days. It's been uh, it's been a good week so far, and I cannot wait for the rest of Wednesday. This this day in particular, when you get Atlantis going, you get the Maui title game, third place game, even Gonzaga UCLA late. This is among the obviously like you know three, four, five best days of the regular season in the sport. I have to apologize. Oh, what happened? Who lives in Palm Springs? Oh man, this really. It's really backfired on me very quickly. Okay. I made the point that I, I don't think anybody who lives in Palm Springs has ever attended a basketball game. <laughs> I don't e- I don't even know where this is going or who you're about to say. I got a text from Patrick Herbert, Wisconsin. Bo Ryan lives in Palm Springs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Bo Ryan has definitely attended basketball games. I, in fact, have attended basketball games that Bo Ryan coached in. Oh, well. I've seen him there. I've seen him there with my own eyes. I tried to tell you, you which means, me. which means Bo Ryan is the only person in Palm Springs who has ever attended a basketball game. He's the gatekeeper. Okay. That's literally about it. Even if what you're saying, which is of course absurd and ridiculous, that will change tomorrow when they play basketball games in Palm Springs. Just to be clear. What if Bo Ryan's the only person there? Yeah. Attendance. Wouldn't that be quite a scene? <laughs> It's just it's just Bo Ryan and then like the Michigan State mascot and the Arizona mascot. That's the only people in the whole place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think the um I think uh Sun's owner helped organize this thing. I think that's there's just some reason why it's there. Uh would it be better if Michigan State Arizona played maybe anywhere else? Literally anywhere else. <laughs> maybe. But but hey. To the fans that try, I'm going to say there's more than one person in the building. To the there's Bo Ryan, it'll be Bo Ryan and a couple of mascots. That's it. That are that are taken uh, to the skies to get to Palm Springs to celebrate Thanksgiving and watch their teams play. Uh, more power to it. That's a, that's that's a pretty pretty good uh, Thanksgiving. I don't want to call it standalone because it is technically part of an MTE, but that's a pretty good matchup to get on Thanksgiving Day. It's a good it's you know good bonus coverage in addition to uh, all the football battle for Atlantis, ESPN events, Invitational. And of course, uh, and of course, the Thanksgiving stuff. You're gonna get you're you've been doing this pod from New York for like six straight episodes, GP. I, I assume you're gonna get home in time for Thanksgiving. Oh, we'll see. Ultimately, that's not up to me. That's gonna be up to Delta Airlines. You have to travel. You gotta travel the Wednesday before. This is the worst travel day of the year. The worst. Buddy, don't tell me. Oh, yeah, I'll be flying during the Maui title game. So by Friday. I'll act. It'll sound like I saw every minute of it, but the truth is, I'm well, gonna be. Have, no, you're gonna have it on the. You'll have it on the plane. Direct flights from LaGuardia to Memphis and vice versa. Even in first, they don't have TVs. No, you're gonna miss this game. Are you gotta be kidding? Not kidding. I actually thought you might be connecting through Atlanta. Good on you for not having to connect through Atlanta oh. on this, but. 
direct flight LGA to Memphis, you don't have a television? No TVs. It's a little bitty planes and they just Wi-Fi. Yes, but you can't stream. It's not good enough. Oh man, that is a dagger, dude. I mean, I'll be able to follow it. Like, you know, I'll be looking at your tweets and stuff, but I will not see it live. I'll have to that's a tough one. I'll have to run it back. A year ago, I flew to PK eighty five. And so because of the timing of my flight and I left early, I got to LaGuardia with like five minutes to go in the Arizona Creighton Maui title game. And it was awesome. Like by the time I got through the gate, I got through the security, got to my gate. Uh, there was a bar right next to it. And LaGuardia was again, I had, I did the travel a day before Thanksgiving a year ago. LaGuardia was a madhouse. Um, but there were like, you know, like 20, 30 people like locked in on this game at the, uh, that was a really cool scene to like kind of stroll up with the suitcase. Where are we at in this thing? Okay. Awesome. Watch the end of it. But it was a bummer to be in the, to be in the, the Uber going down. I remember it took like three hours to get from my house in Connecticut down to LaGuardia, which wasn't a surprise. I, I, I traveled ahead knowing it was going to be hell. Um, so I feel for you, buddy. At least I got, got to catch the end. I, of the I always book these flights home and I never consider like, I just book it around my schedule and I pay attention to no other schedule. I I've flown during two Super Bowls. <laughs> I, because when I booked the flight, I did, I didn't even realize it was Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. I'm like in the air and the pilot's like, and the chiefs have taken a 10, seven lead yeah. for those of you interested in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a hard life I'm living, man. I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. No, but... Some real challenges. Okay. I mean, I know the world. First, I know like the class, world. First class flying home. I, I, I hear you, man. That's that's. that's I mean, I know the world's going through some stuff, but like the idea that you'd be in first class with no TV on a flight home during the Maui Invitational final. Buddy, uh, pray for me. Please uh, pray for find, me. Find time. Find hey. time on, on this Thanksgiving Eve or if you're even getting to this on Thanksgiving after after the game has been played. Just steal away from your family or your friends yeah. um, and give yourself a good two or three minutes. A quiet room. Uh, fall to your knees. Close your eyes and uh, and say a prayer for, for a parish. If you yeah, life's not easy. And I know that. I know that. I know life's not easy and there's going to be bumps along the way. And it's not about how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get back up no i believe it's it's not how many times the wi-fi goes out it's how many times you make sure you reconnect on your first class flight i think that's the same that's right that's right you know so will i be in a big comfy seat with a drink and a meal yes but also without any television so pray for me i will i will thank you shouts to david downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf and teagle legend Shasta Huck Larnett. Shasta Bo Ryan. Yeah, there we go. I love Bo Ryan. Okay. That man went to the NCAA tournament every year. He did. Finished in the top four in the Big Ten every year. Uh, it's true. Bo Ryan's a legend. And Wisconsin was not that before he got there. No. Nope. Not at all. Bo Ryan. I can't wait to see him on Thanksgiving. Just him and the a little Spartan, a little Wildcat sitting in, <laughs> sitting in Palm Springs by themselves. That's where we're headed. That's right. Love Bo Ryan. If you're not subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, please subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected. We're going to talk to you again on Friday morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Til Thanksgiving, then. everyone. Hey, hey, seriously, say a prayer for me. There's no limit on how many prayers you – I don't think God puts limit on prayers. You can pray. You can pray for all this. Pray for whatever you want. Just add me on at the end. Talk to you again Friday. Pray for me.